Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Ah, here we go. It could happen here it's yep. a podcast where mm-hmm. our intros get increasingly more segmented as you realize we have no idea who was going to do the intro <laughs> yeah we've never at, at no point during the existence of this show or its growth have we have we planned a single thing or talked about how to do our jobs i've never i don't even know who who we who we are um we are all meeting for the first time um, I have that disease that Adam Sandler has, or what's her name has in that Adam Sandler movie where he forgets, she forgets everything every day. That's me. Uh, Drew Barrymore. Is that, that's right. That? That's right. Shireen, Drew Barrymore. See, I don't I forget, know what her I disease is, it. but I, yeah. I, I can just, uh, is it the same thing as in Memento? Cause that's all I can think of. I'm yes. Trying to figure out Adam yes. Sandler and Memento. Yes, Adam Sandler's Memento, yeah. my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should probably introduce the episode today. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it's me, it's Christopher Wong, and today we're doing an episode that is, uh, you know, okay, we've 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 been force feeding you really grim stuff for a long time. So today we're going to do an episode about uh, settler colonialism and politics and board games because that's also extremely cool, and it does not. I mean, it is kind of depressing, but it it involves less doom than normal 
and yeah, and and with me to talk about this uh, is is Shireen, our, our our wonderful producer who also writes for us and is great and we love. Oh, thanks. I'm here. Yeah. And that's Robert, it. who we we tolerate. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> nice of you. You shouldn't. A bit. We we do. <laughs> Kyle, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. And also, we have Kyle from Strange mm-hmm. Matters. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I'm Kyle Flannery. I'm a editor and co-owner of uh, Strange Matters magazine. A, uh, I guess we technically have now launched, even if the print issues are not in people's hands, uh, a new uh, leftist culture and politics magazine uh, here to be uh, the consulting super nerd. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I'm very excited. I mean, I well, okay. I, I feel like weirdly for a group of people that i'm in i have probably played the least board games of anyone here <gasps> which is i'm excited oh, for this episode I'm <laughs> yeah obsessed. so when when i was a kid my my board game was risk yeah i, oh, I did a, a bunch of others i played <laughs> yes. like hero quest and obviously axis and a- i will i'll say this i say i played axis and allies i set up axis and allies <laughs> boards many a time and then gave up after like 15 oh, minutes of playing the actual i mean that's, game. that's how i that's how i yeah. played hero quest yeah because yeah. like, like no, i was, I was like, I, like hero I tried to like hero quest rule book and i was like i have no idea what's going on here uh, i was uh, in the I, like, I was like 10 uh, <laughs> but um no specifically my fucking thing we would um at speech and debate tournaments you know because mm-hmm. when you do it you're basically out for a whole weekend sometimes three days sometimes like four um, and you're basically living in this school, but but you have like maybe one or two hours of stuff per day, and the rest of the time you're just hanging around, hearing how your friends are doing as like the competition goes on. And we would play epic, specifically Lord of the Rings Risk. We would have these massive wow. Risk games. Oh, I have yeah, I have very good memories of oh, playing wow. Lord of the Rings Risk with my friends. Yeah, I just oh. had the normal vanilla Risk. Wow, I was really missing out. I I distinctly yeah. remember being at a, a bachelor party where uh, after we finished all the normal bachelor party stuff, we crawled back to uh, the place where everybody's going to camp out for the night. And somebody managed to convince one of the other groomsmen that uh, a game of risk only takes about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and he did this at like, this is like, it was like three in the morning. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> was the wedding that day? Yeah, it was like 3 a.m. the day wow. of the wedding. Like, so they missed the wedding. Extra- it was an act of extraordinary cruelty. Um, yeah. Anyway, he didn't get married, but he did take Kamchatka, which was really key to his, his plans to assault North uh, America. We, we, we shockingly did all make it to the wedding, which was very much... Uh, mm-hmm. A risk. Very much a risk, yeah. Very much a risk. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. It was, yeah, that's why it's yeah. called that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was smart enough to just... Go no, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing 3 a.m. risk. That's not happening. <laughs> but yeah, I guess to kind of back up and provide a little bit of context about why I kind of thought this was so worth talking about, because I'm guessing that there's some readers at home who are having a very common thought, which is, why are you talking about board games? Like, who cares? Um, and you know, uh, I'm reminded a little bit of the uh, the little tweet joke from a while ago, of uh, a couple of years ago. Why am I talking about a little while ago? Of uh, on Star Trek, they have the, uh, you know, they've got their, what do they call that? The holodeck. Uh, they've got the holodeck, and, but for some reason, every week, everybody's into some weird new board game. What the hell is going oh, yes. on with that? Uh, and uh, for the people who aren't aware of this kind of sector of nerddom, uh, board games are actually massively more popular than they were when I was a child, uh, when I was millennials were young. And a large part of that push has actually been from game developers themselves. Uh, the people who make your video games absolutely fucking love board games. Uh, and it's for a pretty simple reason, which is that 
you know all of the rules to the game. Board games are naked before your eyes. You have, you have stripped them down to their, their atomic components before you have done anything. And uh, that means that if you are interested in the art of how a game works, uh, they're actually wonderful case studies. Because you can see very quickly the way that you move from what the mechanic is doing to like what it means. Whereas in a video game, it can be a lot more obscure, it can be a lot more complicated. Uh, and it requires, uh, it can require a lot of digging. You don't have to, you know, I am enough of a turbo nerd that I have broken into the game's files for video, various <laughs> video games I've played and uh, ripped out the code and looked at it and been like, ah, so that's the drop rate. Uh, because again, I'm the consulting turbo nerd here. But with a board game, you don't have to do that. You, you just know all of the rules up front. Uh, and so, you know, if you're... Uh, and, and so that, that's, you know, reveal, that can reveal a lot about what the designer's intentions are, what they're communicating, and how that communication all works. Uh, so that's, that was kind of my start point here. Uh, should I just keep on going and explain what the hell is going on with this article that I'm about to Yeah, about? I mean, I was okay. going to note that the, the primary board game played in Star Trek TNG was, was, was Stratagema in the, uh, uh, the classic episode in which Data has to get really good at what is basically holographic chess. Um, I, absolutely. Yeah. I, yes. Anyway, I, I uh, you you talked about Star Trek: The Next Generation, so now that's that's all I've. It's good that it's good that we didn't get into the awful board games from DS Nine. Oh um, God, yeah. There's some real. <laughs> I mean, Stratagem is pretty ridiculous, and the episode is very silly. Um, yeah. But it's it's one of the more fun data episodes. Yeah. Uh, Whereas the, the board game episode from DS Nine, I think, is generally considered the worst episode in all of DS Nine. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's. I think the worst episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation is not the board game, but it's the one where Riker and his dad fight in what's basically American gladiator judo, where they have, yeah. they have the bandit sticks that they have to fight. Yeah, in. yeah. the ultimate yeah. martial art. Anyway, please continue. Anyway, I'm sorry. yeah. Uh, so, so to talk. So, I, I wrote this article that has is upcoming in publication. It's going to be in our first issue, uh, and it's about a particular trend that I noticed in uh, board games that uh, there were a lot of board games that were, in terms of what was actually going on on the board, they were incredibly violent, but they managed to make it look like there was no violence going on. And so uh, Ro Ro I actually uh, am grateful for Robert for talking about the, uh, the games that he talked about, you know, Axis and Allies and Risk, uh, even like Monopoly. These are games that are in what's generally known as the American tradition, where the goal is to eliminate all the opposing players. Yeah. Be the last, last mm -hmm. one standing. Yes, um, like everything in American, it is yeah. like one, yes. one person wins by using either violence or capitalism on the other. Yeah, you, 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 you out-survive all of your opponents. Because uh, that is what we do in America. We just survive. We just pray to God that there is somehow a tomorrow. And uh, by God, we're going to take Kamchatka. That's, <laughs> yeah, well, that's um, my only <laughs> political stance as an American, is that we will take the Kamchatka Peninsula. And we're going to yes. take Australia for those three extra armies. Hey, that Australia strategy is. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like half the risk strategy, half the risk variants I saw were just ways to nerf the Australia strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But um, in any event, the, there's a European tradition, uh, and one of the things, and, and that, that has been a lot, uh, that's been very popular, has made an absolute shitload of money over the last several years. Shitload being very relative, because again, board games are a pretty small field compared to video games or gambling or booze or something like that. Um, but they've been kind of the dominant name in the game, and uh, one of the kind of major conceits of this style of game is you don't eliminate other players. Uh, all players, any player who starts the game at the table is going to end the game at the table. You, you never eliminate anybody. And this is, I think, an admirable enough goal. 
Um, yeah, that's one it, of the things that's annoying about a lot of games is like mm. if you're trying to do a party thing and people are mm -hmm. getting eliminated. Although it can oh, be yeah. fun if everyone is drinking at the same time and while you play be. the game, people get eliminated and then get drunker and heckle everyone else at the table. <laughs> that's actually not bad. That's actually not bad. I, mo yeah. I more remember it being in like middle school and high school where you just have somebody sitting there bitterly yes. for four hours yeah. while you try to clean up a risk game. Um, but anyway, the, the one that most people are probably, the one that is the most famous, infamous, is uh, Settlers of Catan. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of was my start point. Settlers of Catan is uh, is a board game where you play as European colonizers to a almost uninhabited island, an almost uninhabited island, and you cannot damage the other players directly. There is no mechanism for doing this. You can block them off from building things, but you can never send Hell your yeah. army to conquer their. Oh, territory. I always go hard on the roads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Use roads to bitch. block. You, yeah. you, can, you can block yeah. people with roads. It's a very like. It's kind of like, like thinking about like a rivalry between developers, mm -hmm. almost. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the things that, it, that is kind of outstanding about this is that uh, it's not a technically uninhabited island. There is a, quote, robber that starts out on the island. Uh, and the robber is capable of inflicting violence on the players and can be sort of controlled by the players. And so the part that was, again, striking to me about this is you can't directly, you know, if, this would actually be the right number of players. If me, Chris, Shireen, and Robert were all sitting at a table playing Settlers of Catan, I could not eliminate any of them. None of them could eliminate me. Uh, we could not harm each other directly. We can just negotiate with each other. We can trade with each other. But there is still ultimately a winner. And, uh, you know, this is, if you are willing to make some, some kind of specific historical amnesia about how colonialism actually operated, where, you know, like, wars of colonial aggression also included, like, Wars in Germany, like the Seven Years' War, uh, or you know the Wars of Spanish Succession, were all happening at the same time. But you can, you know, it can be viewed as similar to that. And again, it has this explicit theming, and that is, um, I do think that those things, those things are dovetailing together, right? That the only people who are real people are the colonizers. Uh, the colonized are non-agentic; they're just set. They're 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 setting, um, and. The more you think about it, it's just it's just kind of messed up. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's just kind of uh, it's kind of messed up, and I, I do think it's kind of interesting that uh, the game doesn't really say this very explicitly, right? Um, and I know I know there's going to be somebody who's going to say, oh yeah, no, the game says robber, it doesn't say Native American. How can you know? And it's like, come on, man. If you watched a movie where there was some there was a group of people in the movie who were portrayed as violent and incapable of acting on their own. And all of these racist tropes, even if they were not played by a Native American actor, even if they didn't use any explicit Native American references, if all of the good guys are people who dispossess this person, you know what's going on. Mm -hmm. People don't look at the Tempest and see Caliban and go, this person has nothing to do with the Americans. That doesn't. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they're making him uncivilized. Like, yeah. so, so, like, civility or, like, civilians in general, they come from somewhere else and they inhabit the place. But yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. Like, just like Columbus discovered America, the natives are a race. Like, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a blank slate as far as white settlers are concerned. Yeah, and, yeah and, it's and, a blank and, slate. Yeah. Like, the, the, the positionality of, like, of, like it, the game is very explicit about who is a settler and who is not, right? The settlers mm -hmm. of Catan are, are you, and everyone mm -hmm, yeah. else playing the game, and then you have the other person who's on the island who got here before you, and it's like, hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the name is pretty blunt. 
Settlers yeah, of Catan, yeah. like you are, like you know. There's no, I don't know. It's it's yeah. very it's very hard to evade, and you know, like you can see the art from the game, like it's all white people. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's 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 kind of interesting because in the first edition printing, they're all kind of medieval, but in later editions, they're like colonial America. Like it's, I, I don't think it's like it requires some very deliberate obtuseness to miss that this is what is going on. Um, and uh, so anyway, that, that has um, that was that was released like twenty something years ago. Uh, I find it very funny that uh, Settlers of Catan managed to win Game of the Year awards in both nineteen ninety five and two thousand and five. Wow. Uh, like, <laughs> it hasn't changed much. I don't know. Yeah, and those those are different years. Like, what's yeah. going I mean, on? Boats here? Definitely, yeah. They did add yeah. boats. They did add boats. That's true. You're mm -hmm. you're not you're not wrong about Chris. The boats. You don't you don't you don't have boats. Come on. That's true. I actually <laughs> don't. My, my it's funny. My neighbors have a boat. I do not have a boat because I'm a regular person who doesn't live live next to a lake. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah. Fair. Yeah, uh, I also do not have a boat, so, yeah. <laughs> I briefly had a, a commute to work that I could have kayaked, but I <gasps> don't own a kayak. That's New York, baby. Uh, I, I, I I developed uh, a desire to have a boat last year, because I... Oh, of course, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I was in Spain, and I met a Spanish guy with a boat, and that does seem like the life, but that's neither you're, here nor you're, there. You're, you're, you're a horrible descent into turning into some sort of Hemingway-adjacent character. Yeah, uh, just just. I mean, it is it is nice to be drunk on a boat. Um, yeah, it's yeah. also very expensive to have a boat. So yes. maybe I'll get drunk on an inflatable raft instead. Yeah, I just get a sunfish and just flip it over every thirty seconds. Yeah, there you go. Um, the, but, the working man's boat. Yeah, the working man's boat. Um, but yeah, and uh, so so from there, I kind of what has happened is uh, unsurprisingly that you know, board games are actually kind of. A, slight, a somewhat demographic art form compared to video games because all you really need is some paper. Like, really, that's all you need. You need some paper, uh, and you can make a board game. Uh, if you have Tabletop Simulator, you just need Tabletop Simulator. You're already done. Like, uh, and then you just need to be able to bully people into playtesting your game, and that's really the hard part. Uh, but, you know, so this means that, you know, people will iterate on things pretty quickly. You know, it's a very, like, fan fiction environment. People will, will iterate ra rather quickly on your ideas and develop them further. Um, and so I looked through some of the other games that I've played and, and liked. And, uh, you know, I, I actually tend to like pretty much all the, the, the games that I studied. Uh, Splendor is one that is uh, very fun, very casual, very easy. And it just has this art that bugs me. This art that really bugs me where uh, it's about being a gem trader. And it's very much seems to be based on like Renaissance Italy or like Renaissance Antwerp, uh, you know. This, and for some reason, like you don't see people in mines. It's very weird. All of the there will be pictures of mines. It's like okay, you bought this emerald mine, and there's like nobody there, which is very weird because I have seen pictures of pre-industrial. I've seen pictures of mines from the 1980s, which is firmly industrial, where there are thousands of people. You can barely see the ground, you know, thousands of people uh, everywhere. You know, mining is very labor intensive. Um, you only start seeing mining become kind of like capital intensive, like very recently, and even then only really in the United States and a couple of other countries. You know, Germany obviously uses very capital intensive mining. Everywhere else, it's very, very labor intensive. But Splendor, they won't show you the people doing the mining, but they will show you the people short, short, uh, sorting the gems. Which so is, they're skipping the the slavery part. 
They're yeah, like, so, exactly, yeah. exactly yeah. the part yeah. they're skipping. Well, it's yeah, like, skipping yeah, it's, the... yeah, yeah. It's even today, like you ignore what your how your cell phone is made, right? You're just mm-hmm. like you're glossing over the unflattering parts and going straight to making a gem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're going straight to you know I've I've got, you know I've got my my pretty purple cell phone, you know, and it, you know the 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 part where uh, you know there was. You know, pretty much a war in the Congo fought over it, and then uh, they had to install suicide nets in China. Uh, gets completely glossed over, and the, all that stuff goes into this phone. But uh, you know, to me, it's just kind of a necessary hunk of plastic and metal for surviving in America. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm not entirely. I don't want to be too hard on the designers here. It's very easy. Like, I, I, there's a part of me that wants to be, and there's a part of me that wants to be kind of forgiving and being like, "Do you really want to be playing this like fun, casual game and like be confronted with slavery?" Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like, but make the game like about something to, else. Yeah, you you really tried to have it both ways here. Like, this is like I don't make the game about something actually fun, not yeah, <laughs> not something that involves and, and, slavery. Well, I mean, there are and there are people who do that. You know, it's like not that hard to find people like making games about like uh, theme parks or like or haunted uh, houses, haunted houses, uh, or utopia or like like weird like utopian arcologies and stuff like that. Like people make these things, but like so th- this uh, this colonialism keeps on like coming back. Right. Uh, and part of that, you know, part of that is I guess like all sci-fi is kind of colonialist. Uh, uh, but wait, of- before we go, do you know what else keeps coming back? <laughs> oh, you know what? Tell me what, Shereen. Uh, capitalism. Uh, it's time for an ad break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER me Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And there's still more capitalism. But that's that'll, true. that'll be more later. capitalism. <laughs> that's right true. Now that's we're true. Different capitalism. <laughs> yeah, right now we're 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 in like more early capitalism. Uh, and uh so the 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 game that like really stuck in my crawl the weirdest. And uh I might end up reading a, a quote out from here. I, I'm I'm sorry for being an incredibly irritating person in doing that. Uh, it's a game called Mombasa. Um and uh Mombasa is so aggressive about how colonialist it is. It is so so aggressive. Uh the premise of the game is that you are adventurers in the scramble for Africa. And the goal is to be the player who retires the richest. Um, and the ways in which the mechanics of this game are messed up. <laughs> uh, the part of the mechanics that I will say is genuinely clever, and if they hadn't made it about the scramble for Africa, I would have like no. I, I would just be like, yeah, cool. Uh, so I, I still have to like admit that this is this is cool. Is that you start out working for a different joint stock company, but anybody can buy shares in anybody else's joint stock company. So the best strategy is to buy somebody else's company, and then they make the company valuable. And you contribute as little as possible. Free rider problem. You know, the classic of game theory that the, the, uh, the liberal economists fucking love talking about. Uh, great thing to do with a game. Uh, but the way you make your company valuable is, like, it's, it's pillaging Africa. Like, like, it's pillaging Africa. And it's, it's very, very weird. Like, there's, you have this map of Africa in front of you. And the map of Africa has valuable things in it. It has, you know, diamonds that you can pick up. Uh, it has, like... There are books, which it's unclear if that represents like you write an adventure novel like uh, King Solomon's Mines or you write a naturalist guide or you write an ethnography. But you're writing some sort of book that is based on how you despoiled the African continent. Uh, and what, what always struck me as so weird is that the territory is just, when you enter the territory, you just take everything. You just, you just pillage it. It's not like territory that you hold and really make more productive. You don't develop it. There's, at least it's honest about that. To a certain extent, at least it's honest that like the Europeans were, were lying about any of that development, civilizing mission shit. Like they were there to steal. Um, and but what is so so weird to me about it is that like there's there's no resistance. There's no risk to expanding mm. across the continent. There's no negotiation. The only other characters at all are the other players, the other Europeans. Uh, you know, this continent that at the time had hundreds of millions of people, uh, many of whom had legitimate kingdoms that in some parts of Africa were, you know, had full gunpowder militaries, uh, just totally glossed over. 
just totally non not mechanically represented at all. Um, well, the, it's like they're only per, they're per, they're portraying the only future that they, that is possible. Like you know mm -hmm. what I mean. This is how you become a civilization. There's no other. Yeah. There's one path. Um, um, yeah. Well, I mean it's. it's <laughs> That uh, is, so, there is one path to being a civilization, and it does involve a lot of taking other people's shit, to be fair. No, I, um, I, I, I'm, yeah. I said that ironically, Robert. Okay, I know. Okay. I said in their mind, there is one path. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. But I, I, I do feel like I've got to read this out from the rule book because it was like so eye-popping to me. This is, this is from the rule book. Uh, this is the start of the rule book, the opening. Quote, in Mombasa... Players acquire shares of chartered companies based in Mombasa, Cape Town, St. Louis, and Cairo, and spread their trading paths throughout the African continent in order to earn the most money. Chartered companies were associations formed for the purpose of exploration, trade, and colonization, which links them inextricably to a very dark chapter in human history, global colonialism. This period lasted roughly from the 15th century to the middle of the 20th century and is associated with exploitation and slavery. Although Mombasa is loosely set within this time frame, it is not a historical simulation. It's a strategy game with an economic focus that roughly refers to historical categories and places them in a fictional setting. The exploitation of the African continent and its people is not explicitly depicted within the gameplay. If you want to learn more about the underlying history, we recommend the following read, History of Modern Africa, 1800 to Present by Richard J. Reed. Uh, end quote. So they fucking knew. Like, like, they fucking knew that this was some evil, evil shit <laughs> that they have made into a game. And they want you to know that they knew. That you yeah. knew that you were going to call them out on <laughs> It's like making, like, a Candyland version set in the Congo where you have to collect yeah. hands or rubber and being like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, <laughs> you can read by a the, book the way, about this, this if you want. <laughs> yeah. This is like... <laughs> it's such a cop-out. It's like... Yeah. It's just... It's so bizarre. Like... It's so bizarre. And how many people even read this stuff? Like, like generously, one person I've ever four reads the rule book when you learn a board game. Like, like very generously. Like, I'm just a huge nerd who likes reading this stuff. And I was just like read this, and my jaw was just like, "Holy shit!" Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, I think there's a. I think you could try. It might, might even be wisdom in trying to like make a board game about the scramble for Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, that's like framed in like a kid friendly way, but is also like very blatantly horrific. It's just like the kind of thing that if you think about it 10 seconds, you realize like, oh, we're just like subjugating and massacring people. But it's also yeah. like the the art style is like themed off of Candyland or some sort of shit, like yeah. maybe. But even then, you're probably more likely to just get people enjoying it unironically than you are to actually mm -hmm. convince anybody to read about the scramble for Africa. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and uh, well, it's actually kind of interesting because there is a there, there's like a, a good tradition of like making like kid friendly appearing things that are actually quite horrifying if you think about them for more than two seconds. And Monopoly, uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, Monopoly, for example. And I, I mean, I was going to take a slight turn away from board games. Uh, I grew up with uh, Red the Redwall books. Oh gosh, um, yes. Yeah, the, the Redwall books. Like, even though like stoats are not a race of people in real life, they are a type of weasel. Uh, holy shit, those books managed to be incredibly racist. Um, and really it's racist against, like, different types of weasel, but, uh, you know, they, they portray this, it's this very cutesy world of, uh, you know, animals, you know, mice and badgers and stuff, and they're just committing genocide left and right. And it's just portrayed as, like, totally okay. It's just, like, a As normal someone who has no idea what you're talking about, this is 
crazy. Yeah. <laughs> These are yeah. popular children's series in like the 80s and 90s. Yeah, no, I, I, I read these books. It was like, yeah, it's like y- y- you flip back and forth between like, yeah, here is Martin the mouse and he's a hero and also he's eating all of this really nice food. And then also we must exterminate like entire species. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's buck wild. It, yeah. is, it is insane. Uh, the, the Redwall Feast spot, by the way, is like a really good Twitter follow. Uh, we're just post excerpts from the, the food descriptions. Those are incredible. Um, but the reason why I, I kind of made that turn is that uh, one of the games I considered that I actually really liked is uh, something of a, a post, something of an anti-colonial game called Root. Uh, and this is part of the re- part of what I, I was kind of witnessing over as I was studying these is that there is a bit of a, a, a discourse, uh, a bit of a development over time. Uh, and uh, two of the games that I highlighted, uh, Root and Spirit Island, uh, are kind of exp- are. are are fairly anti-colonial, and uh, Root is a kind of horrifying game, uh, but with very cutesy appearances. You know, you play as like mice and cats and mm. and birds, uh, and the the birds are like like horrifying aristocrats, uh, like like you're like a feudal militaristic dictatorship. Uh, the, the cats are like trying to turn the entire forest into like a giant woodcutting factory and like subjugate everybody else under the boot heel of like industrial capitalism and you can play as just like the concept of revolution. Like that's like, an ent- <laughs> like there's a woodland Alliance who win the game by like provoking revolts of the civilian population to overthrow the other two. Uh, it's, it's very weird. It's a very, very violent game by, co- by comparison. It's very hard to eliminate a player in it, but it was kind of interesting to me to see that like you can do, it's kind of almost the, the exact opposite where it's just like, a lot of like it doesn't have it has this very obviously horrifying and graphically violent mechanics uh you know revolutions and uh subjugation uh but with like the characters look cute like all the all the character art is very cute um you know you got like little mice like making punji traps and stuff <laughs> in the artwork it's very odd yeah, I kind of I kind of jumped a little bit ahead here, uh, but I don't know that we need to go through the everything I did in this in this paper. That's a little bit boring, and also we need to leave things for the readers. Yeah, and actually, Root is uh, a little bit based on a game series that I think would be particularly appealing to uh, to Robert uh, and possibly the the listeners. Uh, there's a company called GMT Games. Has anybody else heard of them? These guys are interesting. Continue. No. Yeah, no, I uh, GMT, these that's guys. Fair. GMT Games uh, make games uh, like Cuba Libre, uh, a four-player asymmetric warfare about the Cuban Revolution. Um, and oh where boy, these that guys... could go a couple of ways. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Multiple uh, I, I won once as the Mafia, which was an interesting side to play in the oh, Cuban nice. Revolution. Oh, <laughs> nice. Wow. Uh, um, an, interesting, an interesting series of interests to have. Uh, you know, I, I could not build an army for shit. Uh, I just had to count on the fact that other people didn't think it was worth destroying casinos because they were too busy trying to stamp out revolutionaries. Um, and, or they were revolutionaries trying to stamp out fascists. Uh, and it was a... It, they're a very... The reason why I think they're a very weird company is that, you know, they're, they have games like Cuba Libre, Twilight Struggle, A Distant Plane, which is about the war in Afghanistan. But they also are like these guys are like Quantico psychos. Uh, huh. They actually they are the guys who make the actual for real uh, war games that the Pentagon uses. Yeah, yeah. Quantico, <laughs> if you're not up on things, is like the part of the Virginia area 
kind of a suburb of DC where all of the all of like the fed feds live. Like I'm not yeah. talking about like border patrol feds or, or or shit. I'm talking like uh fucking CIA motherfuckers. Yeah, isn't, like yeah. The, isn't the capital the F feds. Yeah. Isn't the CIA's like training facility there? Yes, and, they have and the, facility, and, the and so camp, does, yeah. and I think the FBI also has a facility yeah. in Quantico. FBI's like, also it, got a facility there. Yeah. Uh, Capital uh, F feds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Agents, like, all the agents are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't think of, like, like your OSHA inspectors here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, look. And, well, and also, just, like, we're not primarily talking about, like, the door kickers. We're talking about the people who are, like, the doing the really scary shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say though, if if we gave OSHA like CIA powers, the world would be an enormously better place. I think we hand them the nukes. I think yeah. we hand them the nukes and a mandate to use them if security procedures aren't followed. <laughs> Not cleaning your counter after using chicken—that's the end of Detroit. You know, there goes San Francisco. Uh, you didn't clean your food cart well enough. You know. Pretty soon. Uh, Collective punishment, but just for workplace violations. Yeah. Collective punishment for like basic sanitation violations. (laughs) I mean, in a way, not following sanitation does lead to collective punishment, whether Mm -hmm. or not you have a federal enforcement for it or not. That's right. Hence the deployment of our nation's nuclear assets. Uh, Do you know what else is collective punishment? Capitalism? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Listening to ads. Yeah. So let's all endure it together. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Oh, we've been collectively punished. Uh... Solidarity to all, all, all of us who must endure advertising. Yes. Um, but yes, uh, I have been, I've been rambling a lot, uh, and, um, yeah, uh, like I said, I, I find this, this question of who gets to be an agent to be very important. Who, who gets to be a player? Who is even given the choice of winning? You know, if, if you're not a player, you're completely ridden off from the possibility of ever winning. Um, and... You know, this is something that, like, in, in video games, we've seen recurring debates around this. You know, like, civilization is an infamous one for this. You know, who even gets to be a civilization? Um, why are some civilizations civilizations and some city-states and some barbarians? Um, and, you know, it does... Uh, you know, it, it does shape your thinking, you know? And there's... there's uh, you know, games are very valuable for how they create empathy. Uh, you know, a, a game that can really immerse you can really teach you a lot of very creative and powerful empathy for groups of people that you might never have the chance to interact with. Uh, and then when you keep on creating games that ask you to empathize with the colonizers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you think it's just the normal way of things. This is what, yeah. this is what happens. Uh, this is the succession of events that leads to humans. This is, yeah. This is a succession of events that leads to humans. Those who do not participate simply die out. Uh, this is, so this it's is like adaptation. low key brainwashing. Yes. Yeah, 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 it is, yeah. it is. And I mean, it's, it's you know, you can, the same could be said of all culture. Uh, but, you know, I think it's worth being um, informed and critical consumers. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I actually do, you know, I, I actually, you know, I know you want this to be an uplifting episode, and I'm going to be optimistic here. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, it's not just that we're talking about stuff where the stakes are not literal deaths, the stakes are, you know, getting mad at your friends over a board game. Uh, but uh, also... I do think that uh, we have seen positive development of people taking, of people looking at these games. Uh, you know, we've, we've, there's a game developer who said about some of the games he was playing, uh, what, what do the locals think about these colonizers? Like, it's pretty rude that nobody's asking them. Uh, and tried to design starting from there, and I have some criticisms of how he executed that, uh, how, how well he executed on that vision. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that even just through the sheer iteration of somebody looking at a game like Settlers of Catan and going, well, how can I do this different? You know, I can't just release the same game every single year. I, I need to do something new. And even just the simple one of just reversing who is the players. Mm -hmm. you know, simple enough. Uh, even that has been creating some iteration and some, uh, some additional complexity, which and, and has caused people, uh, I have seen people, you know, go back and, and re-examine, even if they're not people who have any sort of, like, education any sort of formal education in anthropology or post-colonial theory, they will, they'll look at like, oh yeah, I was playing this game where you're the colonizer, and I played this other game where they reversed the roles, and I was like, 
I was the bad guys earlier. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I, I think portraying the other side and maybe winning means you kick them out or mm-hmm. or destroy them. I would like to see that play out versus that, yeah, the alternative. That is Spirit Island. That is what Spirit Island yeah. is. is that the players cooperate to destroy the, the colonizers wow. or to Goals. terrorize them into abandoning the island. Uh, uh, weird game. Weird game. Uh, I have some. Uh, I think there's some good execution in there, some criti- and I've got some criticisms of it. It is my favorite, but it does do some things a little bit, a little bit patronizing. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it, like yeah, like that's that's something I think is worth seeing, and uh, and I think it's something that, um, admittedly, maybe I, I just really enjoy this this space of the world because you know if you look at very mainstream you know video games, for example, uh, you get kind of bored of the same like five feeling like the same five games get released every year, you know. Give me some texture. Give me something new. But um, also, I think that uh, I think that the, the I think there's some cost for optimism for people like critically examining the art that they're building, the art that they're consuming, and the art that they're creating. And uh, I don't know that counting on that kind of stochastic, bouncy ball randomness of people just kind of spontaneously going, what if we? What if we? Uh, Played. What if we reverse the roles in Call of Duty? You know, what if we played uh, the people living in the favela while Call of Duty is happening on in the background? Like, just counting on like the randomness of that happening uh, might not be as uh, fast as people want. I wish. I wish. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a game called. I think it was. I think it was called. This is war. Maybe. Oh, it's called This War of Mine. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. a good game. Yeah, yeah. That's a really well done game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and th- th- there's. I'm I'm I don't know I'm I'm excited to see the future of all this stuff and uh, excited to see uh, where people go with this. Well, Chris, I have a question. Why did you decide to even bring on Kyle? Like, what do you what what is it about this topic that you think is uh, prevalent today? What, what what can we take away from this? Well, I think I don't know. I I think one of the things that I got was reading the article is about like one of the ways like. One of the things you see in how settler colonialism gets perpetuated, and I think, um, why am I now forgetting the name of the, yeah, decolonization is not a metaphor, it talks about this a lot, which, yeah, I'll talk about that another time someday, but, like, one of the things that you get, like, immediately is the sort of, is the the, the settler move to innocence, mm-hmm. and that strikes me as like the sort of it, it's the kind of like it, it's 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 the kind of perspective that you see I think running across all of these board games and I think it it is actually really helpful to sort of you know like the the the, the way you break that and then the way you start to get actually that actually looks like decolonization it has to start with people like actually like realizing what they're doing and not being able to sort of like retreat to this position of innocence and being sort of confronted by it. And I think that like that that is a place where media can actually like be very helpful because, you know, like most and most mostly like it's 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 almost always working in the opposite direction, right? But it, it's something where you can actually have this sort of I don't know, it, it it's a it's a part of the cultural sphere where you could like very like very easily put someone into a role that is not the one that they're normally doing and get them to like realize that like what they're doing is like fucked so yeah yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I could say the first, when I was in high school and played playing Settlers of Catan for the first time, I didn't realize the, like, I, it took me a while to understand that, like, oh, I'm a colonial list, like, invading <laughs> yeah, <this> yeah. territory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, well, because, they, they, yeah, they present it as default innocence and also just, like, exciting to there's no there's no um backstory to how you get the wood or the ore or or anything else you just like somehow build a road you somehow have a town there is no backstory as to who you're destroying in the process and it i think it infiltrates in your mind to the point where you subconsciously just deem that as normal mm-hmm. and and yeah. it's it's definitely not unique you know it's, it's definitely like it's only just another tendril of reinforcing stuff that we hear from the rest of our culture so broadly, you know, that, that it's, it's just, this is just one aspect, uh, one expression, I should say, uh, of how many millions of different ways we get uh, colonialism reinforced to us as a normal, natural part of the world. And, uh, and you know, from, you know, cowboy movies to, uh, to just like the way the New York Times will write about who owns land and who's, who, has a, who has a viable claim on owning a piece of land. Uh, you know, all of that, uh, you know, we, get, we get reinforced those in our fiction, our nonfiction every day. Um, and I guess, that, again, that's part of, I guess, why I was drawn to uh, board games in particular for this, because it's so transparent. You know, it's so transparent how all, how the, all the propaganda works. Like, it's not, there's no movie magic. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's the the rules are all there. It's it's pretty much, I don't know. But, you, but yeah, but you you sympathized with, and I I did as well. You you empathized with the colonizer because mm-hmm. they're who you who you are. Yeah, you want to win. Um, you want to win. You want to win. I'm very you know, competitive. You, <laughs> <laughs> you want to win. Uh, um, and and uh, yeah, and you know, and they get to, and the people who made it get to have this kind of like discourse that uh, this kind of badge of like, oh yeah, we made like the friendly board game. You know, they mm-hmm. they're comparing themselves to you know making Monopoly, where like there's like a fifty fifty chance of a divorce happening every time somebody finishes the game of Monopoly, <laughs> uh, and you know they get to portray themselves as the nice ones, and it's like yeah, we're the nice ones because uh, all the people who we're being mean to don't get a divorce at all. I just can't believe we made a game about paying rent. Like I really <laughs> cannot believe that I. It's well, the do, most you, do you know the history of it? Because it's very funny. I skimmed in your in your yeah. articles okay, of, yeah. like about it a little bit, but it was called something that was much more to the point. What was it called? The landlord's game. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the landlord's game uh, by uh, Elizabeth uh, Maggie. She was a Georgist activist in the like early twentieth century. <laughs> It blows my mind. Fucking Georgism. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, this the, like Monopoly. Monopoly being the most relevant c- contribution of Georgism to world history is somehow incredibly fitting. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's all brutal. I took away from it. Yep. Brutal. The number one selling economics book of uh, of American history because <laughs> reduced to a very bad board game. Uh, I can't say it's unfair. And I guess that that's really what I've got is that like it's I, I think it's still I think it's very valuable to um, be a critical consumer. Um, and um, Mombasa maybe went over the line, but for the most part, these games haven't like ruined my ability to enjoy them. If my friends want to play a game of Settlers of Catan, they might just get an yeah. annoying lecture from me. Uh, but they're going yeah. to get an annoying lecture from me anyway. It just would be about something else. I mean, it's uh, like any media. It's like film, <laughs> TV or whatever. You're going to realize eventually that you should be conscious of what you're consuming uh mm-hmm. so 
and yeah, I'll still get into arguments about all of those things. Now, <laughs> but... except for except for podcasts, people should blindly consume our podcast. Oh, I mean, I mean, yes, podcasts questioning. are the only true proletarian yeah. art form. Uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, you know, As Karl Marx said, listen to this podcast, like and subscribe, share us on yeah. Facebook. And then and then eventually one day podcast will wither away and abolish itself. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Classic that's right. Marxist podcast theory. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, Is that the episode? Uh, well, Kyle, guess, where, where, where yeah. do people find you? Yes, uh, I I personally am uh, notoriously hard to find on the internet, uh, being a person who doesn't have any social media whatsoever. Uh, Good on you. Goals. Absolutely the right call. I, I have been off of Twitter for a couple of days. I'm taking a break. Mm -hmm. And best best decision you could make. Get yeah. away from all of uh, it. Our, our publication is at uh, strangematters.coop. Uh, we, we worked hard to get that .coop registration. Uh, we just published uh, on Thursday, uh, a couple days ago, uh, Love as a Verb, an article uh, reviewing uh, and, and um, extrand, expanding the possibilities of Bell Hooks' uh, All About Love, 2000 book All About Love, uh, which is worth reading, uh, both, yeah, the, both the review book. and the book. Yeah, I, I actually yeah. just finished it um, four hours ago. Oh, uh, yeah, I yeah. read it for the first time during the pandemic. It was, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's an enlightening read. It's an enlightening read. Uh, we we tend to have a lot of uh, really insane economic stuff. If you want to, like, read some truly <laughs> insane shit about oh uh, money, about where money comes from and what money is and what we can do about money, uh, we've, oh boy, we've got you covered. Uh, we have, uh, we have a, a, a profile of Robert. Uh, where we have rendered him as uh, Baron Munchausen, uh, very flatteringly. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, a really wonderful review of uh, three different cyberpunk works by the wonderful anti-fascist uh, author Elizabeth Sandifer. Um, yeah, so please uh, come come check us out at strangematters.coop. Uh, uh, we, are, we are taking new writers all the time, uh, and we've got submission guidelines on there, and... Uh, if you uh, want to personally uh, send me hate mail for besmirching the good honor of Settlers of Catan, uh, I can be reached at kyle at strangematters.coop. Yeah. Oh, and we do have a Twitter for the for the company. Yeah. What's, your, what's the Twitter for the company? Uh, the it is strange underscore matters. Perfect. Hell yeah. Thanks, Kyle. Check out Strange Matters. Contribute yes. to their fundraiser. Mm -hmm. I can't. I can't recommend doing anything on Twitter, so I simply should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and thank you, thank you for having me on again. It's a yeah. it was a lovely time. Thank uh, you for coming. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, again, as 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 with every episode, go with Christ. It could happen here as a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.